Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. We are excited to welcome you to our Authority Series. We will be talking about the contents of our mind, mouth, attitude, and life actions, and how these are the staples to further understand our authority in God's kingdom. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. And I was feeling that. I was feeling pretty good. You guys, I'm a little tired. I've been standing up making pancakes since whatever time it was. And, uh, and it's been a real season of just teaching on authority. So I'm just going to sit down a little bit. You know, I'll probably get to that point where I have to stand up. But maybe not. We'll see. So we're going to just remind ourselves what we're doing and what we've been talking about this year. Because once, oh, it's Family Sunday. So if you hear those little kids, we love them. You guys, we love you. You just be you and have a good Sunday. Okay, the, the adults can focus and listen. God will get in your ear and your heart what you need. So anyway, here's, here's the thing. Authority, we've been teaching on it because if we, if we continue as Christians to just go the status quo and take whatever's offered to us and live in the world the way that every other person in the world lives, um, whatever might come, might come, a case or a sirah kind of life, we're never going to overcome the enemy and we're never going to be able to... to be the instrument of Jesus in the earth today. If you remember the beginning of time, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And that was the presence of God on the earth. And he spoke to Abraham like he was his friend. And he talked to Moses and he hid himself in the cleft of the rock and he whispered things to him. But those are, those are astounding things that we read. And there was a whole season where the voice of God in the earth became prophets you know, and then judges would judge according to what they felt like God was speaking. People would come and let prophets and, and judges rule their lives. It was kind of the way that they would equate God speaking. The man of God. Think of Elijah and Samuel. And when they're showing up, people are thinking, ooh, the spirit of God's getting ready to say something, right? Well, there's a whole, whole period of time called the Dark Ages, and then Jesus is born, what a moment, you know, a moment in history where Jesus Christ is the presence of God on the earth. And he's hanging around these 12 guys that are just amazing people. They're ordinary people doing extraordinary work. I liken ourselves to some of them, especially Peter, sometimes Thomas. I just see myself alongside those guys and, and the things that they do. We shake our heads and go, how could you think that, Peter? How could you look at the wind and the wave when you just walked on water? That's crazy. But we do it all the time. If we look at it as a metaphor, you know, we're, we're sailing along and we're doing really great with God. And all of a sudden, the wind blows and, and we, don't, we lose our whole balance. We have to come back to those, those ideas that God was the presence of God the Father in the beginning. And then it was, went through the voices of the prophets. And then Jesus himself, well, now what is the presence of God on the earth? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God sent by Jesus himself. And where does he live? Mm. In you. You know. Treasure in a jar of clay. It's, it's a mind-blowing thing that God has done. When we say, look what the Lord has done, and we're looking at the Spirit of God living on the inside, we have to understand that we have authority to run, to live, to take thoughts captive, to, to remove strongholds that are demonic and otherwise, to bring healing to people's lives. Do you, are you getting what I'm, what I'm throwing down here? You have authority to control your thoughts. You have authority to be in charge of your physical body. You have authority to be fit on the inside. You have authority 
to know God and to walk with him. You have authority to be the sons and daughters of God. You have authority. Authority to speak. Authority to teach. Who gave it to you? God. Okay. And today, and all that that we've been talking about, I love the, believe me, I love those teachings. They're like my, that's my jam. I've been teaching them for a long time. And I've been walking in some kind of authority for a long time. Have I gotten kicked down by the devil? Yeah. Have I lost my way? Sure have. I crossed lines? Absolutely. That's why I know, I'm, I'm the, a pastor sitting here, that I know that I need Jesus. And I understand his power to lead me. And when he puts authority, right next to that is responsibility. Otherwise, we look like a trust fund baby who has everything and cares about nothing. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to walk in all the promise of God without any of the responsibility that we have too. Okay? So today, I want to look at the definition of authority, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about. Authority. It's such a giant word, you know? And, and I think when we keep just throwing it around loosely, I don't want us to lose sight of what it actually means. The first definition, this is from the Merriam-Webster version that the Christians like. So it means the power to influence or command. Now, think about, this is a a worldly and earthly definition, but think about God giving you this kind of power to influence or command thought. We're not telling people how to think. The Bible is renewing our mind, and we're speaking what the Bible might say. So in that comes an authority to command attention to how you should even live your life. How dare someone tell someone else how to live? Well, that's just not politically correct. Well, that's Jesus is going to show you the way out, the way through for your best life ever. He doesn't put out law and rule and regulation so that you'll do without. He puts a boundary so you don't fall off in the ditch and break your neck. He puts a boundary there so you'll understand who you are and that the love that you receive is the love you deserve, which is better than the love you get most of the time. It's his The power to influence or command thought. Freedom granted by one in authority. Do you have any freedom in your life? Man, I have so much freedom in my life. I used to be so bound by almost every kind of fear. I used to even be afraid of going over bridges. Isn't that ridiculous? Thousands of tens of thousands of people drive across that bridge every day, but when I drive across it, I think it's going to fall. Well, that's a phobia. There's fear, spiders, bugs, any of that kind of stuff. I still detest those things, but I'm not afraid of them, and I will smash if need be. I'm not. Freedom granted by one in authority. By the Spirit of God, we have authority to be free. The person in command, you know who that is? Well, yes, it's ultimately Jesus, but in in the sense of what we're talking about, the authority of Jesus handed to us to walk in this life, the person in command is you. This is talking about a government like the president or someone over, over all of our affairs. The authority of a governmental agency like the authority of transit or the housing authority, structures. Well, I believe the church has that too. You know, and you can look at you can look at Vatican City and see that the church has a lot of authority going on in it. We're not talking about that church. I'm talking about the church where Jesus comes and lives on the inside of you, and then you become His ambassador in the earth. Did you know that if you're a Christian, you're an ambassador of Jesus? What are you doing with that title? You worked that out with Him this week. That's not what I'm preaching on today. Authority, a convincing force. And I liked this definition, a citation. A citation from a source which the citation is drawn is an authority. And in our case, it's the Bible. This is where we draw our authority from. We consider it the holy scripture written by the finger of God, written inspired by God through men. 
And we find it inerrant and perfect and whole. And we set our lives by it. It's a great mirror. If you feel like you're missing something, if you look in the Bible, it'll show you exactly what's out of place. And it'll speak life to you, not in a condemning way, but in a way that it leads you forward in your life. A conclusive statement or set of statements. A decision taken as precedent. Do you ever make a decision and then that's just how it's going to be from here? I hope that happens to us today. Lastly, authority, your testimony. Sometimes in a trial, a prosecutor will call an expert witness who is an authority on something. I want us to become authorities on authority in the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? And I want us to be good rulers, not jerk face rulers. I don't want us to be arrogant, bossing people around, you know, thinking we're the God's gift, you know, to the world. Jesus is God's gift to the world. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. Aren't you guys glad you came to church today? Man. So today I want to talk to you about having the authority to rest. Authority over yourself to rest. In, in the Bible, everybody take a deep breath. Just let that out. The Bible says 74 times the word selah. It means pause. Think about that in a calm way. Reflect. Take a deep breath and rest. Now, we're really good at this once a year on vacation, but I want to speak to us about having this be part of our lives. Even God rested on the seventh day. I mean, he goes through all of the work of creation, and God himself rests. Do you think if God rested that you possibly might need to take a tiny break yourself maybe every seventh day? You know, even your body, the way it's designed, you get up in the morning, you know, I mean, I'm not the greatest morning person. I never really have been. Don't say anything. But I, I ha- I'm not the best morning person. I need that coffee. Coffee first. It's true. And, and a, little, a little time in the word and, you know, a couple worship songs and then maybe a phone call I might be able to do. I'm, I'm just not, I need that time in the morning for myself. And I'm, but the rest of the day, I can, I can track along pretty, pretty good. So you get up in the morning, you have your day, you get your own, you know, your own mojo, whatever makes you go, whatever your own vibe is, and, and then you go to sleep. And you sleep this much, and you're awake this much, okay? It's the same principle as working six days and being off a day. So I want to tell you some benefits that happen to your body when you go to sleep, as presented from the National Heart Association. Seven health benefits to getting a good night's rest. Healthier heart. Weight control. I was like, man, since I knew sleep was a good thing, I knew it. Weight control. We care about that way more than a healthy heart sometimes. Improved athletic ability. Sharper brain function. Better mood. Balanced blood sugar and immune boost. Just from going to sleep and letting your body be restored in that sleep. And if you dream, I think 10 times more restoration happens. Something creative happening on the inside even while we sleep. Here's a couple scriptures that are not in the notes that I added this morning. Ecclesiastes 5.12, it says, The sleep of the righteous is sweet. You're the righteous. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's you. The saints, that's you too. Saints of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The sleep of the righteous is, is sweet, whether they eat little or much. That's what it says. Isn't that powerful? It's a promise from God. 
Psalm 4, 8, I've prayed this over my kids when they were little and when I tucked them into bed, and now my daughters pray this over their daughters. And I still pray this over my family, even though they don't live under my roof anymore. And it says this, Psalm 4, 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. But I shortened that to peace and sleep, have a safe night, I love you. And in the morning you wake up, this is the day the Lord has made, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. It's a balanced diet of the word of God, continually continually being planted on the inside of us that we might grow up to understand the kingdom authority that rests in us. So think of all those things on that list that happen just from one good night's sleep. It's remarkable. And I want to talk to us about some Bible heroes because there's a, there are themes. You know, the Bible teaches us things in different ways, different kinds of themes, different kinds of stories, different kinds of application. And sometimes it's just history. Sometimes it's devotional. Sometimes it's prophetic, whatever we're learning from the word. These are ins- inspirational stories from the heroes of faith. If you remember Hebrews 11, I think it is, is like the heroes of faith, right? Is that the right chapter? So and it just talks about all the people who have gone before us, and it lists just all the, all the heroes of our faith, Abraham and Joseph, and it lists them all. And you think about all these people and all their stories and what they've done, and they're just kind of ordinary people like us. Matter of fact, they're probably a lot worse than most of us. Some of the things that they've done and some of the lives that they lived, you've you got to be looking at that going, that was your best choice, God? I know I've felt that way sometimes about myself when I'm sitting here with the honor of speaking to you, talking to you. That was your best choice, God. This was a person, this was your candidate of choice. And I feel encouraged when I, when I read these stories. And I hope you do too, because if God can use murderers, deceivers, I mean, look at their, their history and read their sheets. We're going to look at a couple of them right now. But if God can use that kind of a life and be glorified in it and love these people, like David's like one of my all-time favorites, murderer, adulterer, Moses, murderer. I mean, think, think about how that how that plays out for your life. You know what it is? It's the gospel in action. No one is perfect, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. That's why we thank God for salvation in our lives. So the Bible offers us these stories. And today I want you to think about the cycles that take place. Because here's what happens. There's a conflict. And then the would-be hero comes on with some incredible fighting. Think of your own life as well. There's a conflict and you come out fighting. Well, or you duck and cover. You, you, you're either fight or flight, one or the other, but you'll have the same kind of patterns. You'll see it in your life as we talk about it. They have this incredible fighting, these incredible moments of, of battle being ensued. You know, enemies are being crushed, and, you know, there's exhaustion that follows all the battles. Crazy exhaustion. Sometimes horrible failure following the battle. But every single time after the battle, there's a moment where the would-be hero of faith takes a breath and has a break. Even in our own military, do you guys remember the term R&R, if I say that? R&R, what's it mean? Rest and relaxation, I love it. Rest and recreation. You know what it means? You're not fighting today. Today you're going to play. Today you're not going to fight. Today you're going to rest. Now, rest might look different for different people. I don't know. For someone, resting might just be taking a really long walk in nature, resting from your work and looking at something different. For me, I mean, it's like a lot of vegging on the couch or laying out by the pool, soaking in sun, not working, not struggling, not making, not worrying about a building plan, not caring about air conditioning systems. 
you know, nothing that has to do with church. No counseling, nothing. Just me and the sun. Or me and a really good Chick-fil-A. That's if Scott's not there. You know, but just me and just resting and having some good food. Maybe pasta. You know, try to have that like twice a year now. But pasta is so good. I mean, maybe something that just comforts my soul. That's a rest for me. Something different than the normal work. Okay? Genesis 37 talks about Joseph. Now, Joseph has an amazing life story. I'm going to summarize it. He has a great dream, right? He has a dream. He tells it to his brothers, and they want to kill him. They don't kill him, though. They throw him in a pit. They mess up his coat really bad, and they sell him into slavery. Joseph is on a journey. He ends up in Pharaoh's house. He ends up working for Pharaoh. He, he comes into second in command. Why? The hand of God is on him. The spirit of God is still on him. He's got to wander through the time. What happened to my life? Why am I here? What's brought me here? And, and then he ends up in a prison situation, you know, through no fault of his own. He just happens to be handsome. He gets accused of making a pass to, to take advantage of Pharaoh's, not Pharaoh, but what's the guy's name? Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. And he, and he doesn't do it, but he, he does the time anyway. So what am I telling you? He went through a lot of a lot of situations. He was brought to Egypt in just in time to handle an incredible famine. And he gets put in prison through no fault of his own. Now, I'm not going to say that prison is restful, but in his particular case, it was a time to dream and be still, a time to dream and prove that God is still speaking to him. And when he came up and out of that time, he ends up doing a greater work than he did before. He 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 mandates all of the grain for all of the surrounding areas, including his family. And after that, you know, he's living in that lap of luxury for a while. After that, he does even a greater work. He has restoration with his brothers. It's powerful, powerful times. The, the heroes of faith have gone through things that are very familiar to us. Second person I want to talk about, these are stories you can be reading in your devotional time through the week. We're going to camp out on one in a minute, but just to give you a summary of a few of them, Esther, Esther, young girl, taken from her home. Why? She's beautiful, and King Xerxes is lonely. His, his queen wife has shunned him, and he's embarrassed, and so he goes to gather all of the beautiful virgins of the city. Well, she's taken in. She's, she's forced into, into a, um, a grooming time in her life where she's going to have to be pampered and presented before King Xerxes. And if she would perform for him in a way that he enjoys, she can come and live and, and live in the palace. Well, she has a season of being the queen, a season of living in luxury, a season of rest until she completes her greatest work after that, which is facing the king to save the entire nation of her people. It's like we go through these things. We go through these times. And I loved that little song we did this morning about Jesus is speaking to you, don't give up on me. Jesus is asking you, don't give up on me. Man, I felt that all the way to my toes. I was like, okay, Jesus, okay. Because you know how many times, I mean, there's times I'll go through my life and I just feel like I don't even have a friend. And I know that I do, and I know that people care about me and love me, but there's some times where I just feel like, what is the point? And I'm just getting really vulnerable before us this morning because I know you have similar feelings, similar thoughts that you go through. I love what we teach here. I love how we worship God here. I think it's amazing. You know, but there's times in my heart and my life, I would just think it'd be so much easier just to pick up the whole church, go set it into a big church and let the big church deal with air conditioning and building repair and people that don't want to honor God and people that are stingy and don't want to tithe and people that don't want to serve. And it's just like, God, God, help me, help me love your sheep and help me draw this thing together. And this, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about myself, you know, let God speak to us this morning. You know, you feel the same way. You got to work all week long and come in here and hear this stuff. Yeah, you have authority to rest. 
That's what I'm getting ready to tell you about. And I want you to see that people have gone before us that have gone through trials similar to ours, maybe not exactly the same, but like ours. And as you go through conflict, there's always a season of rest, and then you come back into this rebirth place where God shows you your greatest purpose. Who's after her? One of my favorites, Elijah. Okay, Elijah, man, this guy... I mean, he is fierce. This prophet, he is a powerful guy. I mean, he ends up confronting the devil worshipers of the day. And he's like, no, we're going we're gonna to have a contest. I mean, he just, the way he does it was so much flair and so much just, just entertainment almost. But the power of God isn't, isn't absent. He fights and kills like 950 devil worshipers in a day. God wants people to die. You know, look, the point is about good overcoming evil and how God does that through us on a daily basis if we'll let him do it. And so Elijah ends up in this cave, you know, he's, he is, he's killed all these prophets of Baal. He's had this amazing conquering moment. And then a girl tells him she's going to kill him. And he goes to hide in the wilderness. Now I know women can be fierce and apparently Jezebel was pretty fierce, but he's hiding from her after all those great exploits. It's easy to judge him, but look at your own life. And the things that you go through, because just like Elijah, we end up exhausted and tired and spent. And, we, and then we're afraid of the smallest thing. That's why this, the sentence, the straw that broke the camel's back exists. Because they are out there, little straws that land on us. And all of a sudden, we're falling apart when we were able to face huge things before that. And I think what, what it comes down to and what the summary of it is, is that when we're tired and we're overtired, we have to give ourselves permission to rest and it would be a word to the wise to do that before we say or do something that we didn't mean to say or do to someone that otherwise we would obviously enjoy and love. And I think just like the way that we do it, you know, it comes down to like somebody who call you, somebody, hey, do you mind if I come over? Um, I want to hang out and you'll be, and you want to say, no, I just want to go to sleep and rest. Or you want to say, I can't do that. I've got a mound of laundry and I'm just going to watch TV all day and eat, you know, bonbons. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever does it for you. No, I can't do that. I, I want to go out and just have a long walk in, in nature and, and commune with God and the birds. But you don't do that. You go, okay, okay. And you think, oh, I could do that later. I can do that part later. And, and later never comes because then there's another person and another thing. And the more people you have in your life, the more blessings of God that you have, the fuller your time is on a regular basis. But you have to take the place of authority over yourself to find yourself rest the way that God did. And I, and I wanted to talk about one more thing that happens during, during rest, and it's rejuvenation. Rejuvenation. Man, this is the hero of the faith who was also listed in Hebrews, Samson. I'm like, Samson's listed as a hero of the faith. I mean, Samson is the worst candidate for hero of the faith. I mean, this guy is self-centered. He has a huge problem with lust. He's disobedient to a fault. And I mean, this is who God chose. You know, you, when you're little and, you're, and you go to Sunday school, they have Samson on the felt board and he's knocking down the pillars to kill the bad guys. And you're like, yay, Samson. And he has, never cuts his hair. He has long hair. And you're like, that's so cool. He has dreads. And you're following him around like he's this, this amazing guy. But really, in integrity and in character and in qualification, mm -mm, not really. And I wanted to read a little bit of his story because, 
you know, there's times when, when we make the decision to go ahead and let people come in and take time that we really needed to rest because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and, and whatever. But there's also other things that we do. We'll take on projects. We'll take on projects. We know that we don't have the capacity to take on that project, but we want to do it. And it appeals to us. It appeals to our sense of, of um, you know, accomplishment. You know, it appeals to our sense of pride, and we take it on anyway. Or it's going to please somebody that we want to impress or whatever. And so we say yes. And so, I mean, part of resting is just being able to say no. And say no without guilt. And say no without condemnation. You know, God will make another way. He always does. But for the people of God, everywhere that I'm going, all I hear is how tired everybody is. And I'm like, well, dear saint, take a season and take some rest, you know, and take a little time for you and get before God. Now, when you take a break, don't, don't take a break from the word. Don't take a break from worship. You can take a break from this room, but don't take a break from your fellowship with God. That needs to happen. So Samson's story, we'll just read a couple, a couple of it, a little bit of it. Why don't you guys stand up so you don't get too tired because I still got 10 minutes. You got 10 more minutes? You... I know, yeah, you know. Okay, I'm just going to read a little bit. You lean in. This is from uh, the book of Judges, chapter 16. It's talking about Samson. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute, and he went in to spend the night with her. And the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. And they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only till the middle of the night. And then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with two posts, tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them on his shoulders. He carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. And we'll give you, each give you, 1,100 shekels of silver. Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how, how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson answered her with a lie. He said, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. You can sit down. Thank you for your attention. So he's an interesting guy. Now, he's already known. He's, he's done a lot of exploits before this, and his fame has grown around the vicinity. I mean, he ties foxes together, puts torches on their tails, lights up the whole city. Um, he's got a lot, he takes a, a jawbone of a donkey and he just fights and destroys the enemies of the Israelites. He's got a reputation. Because when he was a kid, God spoke to his parents and said, he's going to be a Nazarite. We're going to put a vow on him that a razor will never touch his head. And because of that, he's going to have his great strength. He's going to be like Hercules, alive on the earth. And he was. But Samson didn't make that vow. His parents made that vow for him. So there comes a time in your life, young people, when you're following the heart of what your parents are doing. And, man, it's so easy to condemn and critique what your parents are doing. I know that. My kids complain all the time. My parents made us go to church seven days a week. I mean, sometimes that's true. But my, my response to that is, you're welcome. <laughs> and you know what else? It's like, it's easy to look at someone else because your parents aren't perfect, man. We certainly were not perfect but we're looking for perfection in him. We're looking for the fellowship of Jesus on our lives. So we get as close to that as we can. And we don't know how else to do that any better than being in, in the presence of other people that are trying the same road, right? Well, Samson wasn't doing that. He was looking at women, prostitutes. And now he's found this woman, Delilah. Man, she's a savage. 
You know, she's sleeping with him. She's enjoying all of the delectable fruits of adultery and, and whatever else they're doing. And she's luring him in for the gold. It's no better than prostitution. And it ends up where Samson tells her seven different lies. And, and here's, what I, here's what I feel like God spoke to me during this time. You know, Samson hadn't had an encounter with God himself. He's living under a vow that his parents made for him. But he is living like a trust fund baby in all of the reward of that strength. And everybody knows him, and everybody knows his fame all around and how strong he is and what he can do. No one can, no one can beat him. But this girl did it. And it's the same way the devil comes after your authority, after your peace, after your relationships over and over again. He'll come in. Tell me, tell me the secret. Now, what, what is your weakness, and what's going what's gonna to get to you? What would subdue you, and what would happen? And even though she reveals her character and nature seven times, they run in to get him. He still, in the end, tells her the truth. And I believe, like, you look at that and you think, man, Samson, dumb, dumb. You know, you shouldn't have done that. But if you take a pause about your own heart and the way that we end up in situations that we didn't mean to end up in, and we're, we end up with people that we didn't, we didn't mean to be walking next to those people, and the, the mercy of God comes in like a flood after our harshest mistakes, after the worst places we've been, He comes in with mercy like a flood, and he brings our greatest purpose to the foreground. And Samson, I believe, was looking for the realness of God in himself, for himself. And when he told her what happened and what would be the weakness, man, they got him. They took him, and they gouged out his eyes. Man, that sounds so graphic and harsh for Sunday morning, but you know what? It's the best thing that ever could have happened to him because lust is never going to be a problem for him again. And they took him, and they set him on a treadmill. And he was just going to grind out the threshing floor. And the Philistines would come and make fun of him, just like the devil does to us. You're never going to overcome this. What are you going to do now? That's too many failures in a row. There's nowhere to go. Child, we're just getting started. Let that echo in your mind as God's speaking life to us this morning. So Samson's on the treadmill, round and round he goes. And the ironic part to me is that they never, ever pay attention to one little fact, because to Samson, he's resting. He's not lusting. He's just walking a treadmill. Can't even see the path. And they would bring him out for sport sometimes, make fun of him, who used to be great in Israel, and now look at him. No eyes, no strength, no hair. But over the years of pushing the treadmill, you know what happened? His hair grew back, and his heart grew tender. And he repented to God. We always say, repentance is a cure. Go tell somebody you're sorry. You know you, know you messed that up. Tell somebody you're sorry. Get before God. His hair grows back, and he gets there. They want to make fun of him. They're bringing him out to the arena, but he's already got something going on between him and God. God, if my, if my life could count for something, I give it to you. God, let some honor come from these last times. And in the moments of rest, Something rejuvenating was happening on the inside of Samson. And he goes out for sport, and he's standing between the pillars of that day. He has some kid lead him up there, and God meets him. And for the greatest triumph of all time for a warrior, I mean, you remember in the, in the stories about David where they would say, David, you know, he's killed 10,000s. Oh, yes, all we know you got thousands, but David's got 10,000s. Well, we brag about those kind of numbers because they're victories for the people of God, just, just like battle would ensue today. 
These are metaphors for your life spiritually. Remember, we don't war against flesh and blood with with battle axes and you know whatever it is and tanks and weapons and guns and knives and all of that. The weapons of our warfare now are for demolishing strongholds. It's the word of God, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And, and the word of God that we hide in our heart, it comes out at just the right time to destroy a stronghold. And Samson had a moment like that where he was used by God in a tremendous way, more powerfully with more numbers of Philistines taken down than ever had happened in his life before this. The greatest purpose ensued. You have authority to rest. You have authority to lay yourself down and let God speak life to you. You have authority to say no to being overwhelmed because overwhelmed is not glorifying to God, nor you. And here's another way you can tell. I'm going to close with this thought. You guys could actually stand up if you want to. Something you might be able to look at in your life to, to evaluate whether or not you're tired is the things that you usually can tolerate without much trouble start to get on your last nerve. I don't mean things you're not supposed to tolerate, you know. I'm talking about your family and things that people might say that before just just wash, you know, just roll off your back. Okay. And you have a lot of grace toward it, but all of a sudden it's the foulest, most offensive thing you've ever heard in your life. It's probably because you're tired, you know. If you're finding tedious things, you know, like things that, you know, like if you have a laundry pile, do you know that you should worship and thank God that you have clothes to wear? You know, man, I know people that don't, you know. I give them something every time I see them. You know, if you have dishes piled up in your sink, who cares? You had food, and there was food on that plate, and you ate it. It's, but that stuff usually doesn't matter. But if you're finding that it matters, that it's grating against the rawness of your heart, you're probably, you're probably tired. And just like Elijah laid in that cave, and the raven brought him meat. That's amazing. A raven doesn't do that, guys. The birds brought him meat and drink. Just like Esther. Man, you're being groomed for some kind of weird sex trafficking thing. This king has his way with you. But you have moments of stillness walking in the garden. If I perish, I perish because my life is yours. There's something about rest. There's something restorative about it. And if you don't sleep, if you don't sleep, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. If you don't sleep. See, the righteous are supposed to sleep sweet. It's a promise of God. So we've got to find out what repentance is the cure for in your situation and where you're overdrawn and where you're stressing out. Because God intends for you, beloved, to have a good night's sleep, peace and sleep and living in safety. I'm going to pray for us. Pray with us. Okay. God, thank you so much for this word. Let it, let it settle on our hearts that we give ourselves permission to rest, to find a an ebb and a flow in life, a time to be awake, a time to rest. Lord, let all of these restorative things take place in our bodies as we, the righteousness of Christ, lay our head on our pillow at night and dream dreams, God, that you put there. God, would you cover us? Would you, would you show us how to take care of the vessel that you've given us in the days that we live in? Because, Lord, we know that if this world is on fire, you have plans. And we snuggle up next to you, and we sleep in peace. Father, open our eyes to understand why we would not have a good sound sleep. Show us the places that have, that have 
come along to trip us up? What is the source of your strength? Well, my strength is in you, God, and my salvation. God, would you come and, and cause peace and stillness and sleep to come on your church and on your on your vessels, God, that we might rise in the morning triumphant, walking in authority as you've called us to in the name of Jesus. And just for anybody who might be in here who has never, who has never asked Jesus to come and be your Savior and live in your heart, you guys can look at me. If you've never asked Jesus to come and live on the inside and you want to, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it too. And if you mean it, and if something, if you, and you'll know if it's you, because right now your heart is thudding like Thumper the Rabbit, man. You're just like, oh, man, i got to get out of here. Well, don't get out of here just yet, because this could be the day of your salvation. It's the day when you have a moment. Like, how can you talk about something so matter-of-factly, and then all of a sudden your mouth feels, like, tight and clammy, and your, your chest is pounding because you know that's the Holy Spirit speaking. I'm calling you today. I'm spending this moment with you right now. I'm looking at you. I see you standing there on, on that little seat here at 7515 Morgan Ford, and I know you, and I know your name, and I love you, and I long for you. And I'm inviting you to come and have a fellowship with me. That's our Jesus. Is it going to be perfect after that? No. Is it going to be hard? Probably. But you know what's going to happen? Your sins are going to be forgiven, and you're going to be face-to-face with the one that made you. And you have all of eternity to sort all these things out. And this won't be the last thing you say to God, but it'll be one of the first things you say. Just pray this prayer, if that's your heart. Father God, I need you. I ask you to come and forgive me of my sins. I know there are many. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he's the savior of the world. Jesus, would you come live inside of me? Here's my life. I give it to you. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, your name just got written in blood red in the Lamb's Book of Life for all of eternity. And I trust that some of you did this morning. I know it's a little hand clap, but man, we get excited about that because now we know you stepped over one threshold to the next one where you can live in the authority of the kingdom. Grab a hold of a friend and let them know what you did this morning. You can come see me, and then we'll work on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and every other wonderful thing that awaits you in your future. I love you. I'll see you next time. Get some rest this week, okay? Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Law Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on Giveify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.